Stand with me for the reading of the word of the Lord. Matthew 24, verse 6. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes, divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and boy, are we ever living in the day of offense. Folk don't get convicted anymore. They get offended. Ah, you're not going to help me. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. I want to talk to you today just simply from this question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Lord Jesus, touch us today. Shake us, God. Awaken us today. Help us to be aware of the times. To walk circumspectly, God. Not as fools. But God, aware that your coming is imminent. Awaken our spirits today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to caution you today and perhaps... A warning. It is easy sometimes when we hear things repetitively that they just become commonplace to us. And those of us that have been around the church for 
Many years we've heard the Lord is coming for many years. And we've shouted about it, we've preached about it, we've ran and carried on about it. But I want to tell you that it's easy to be lulled to sleep if we're not careful. And I want to tell you that if there ever was a day that you need to intensify your consecration... If there ever was a day that you need to pray more than you've ever prayed, you need to fast more than you've ever fasted, you need to be faithful more than you've ever been faithful, it is the day and hour in which we live. Now I realize that in my years of living for God, there have been many wars. I've watched them, our nation has endured them. But I feel very confident today in what I'm about to share with you that we're living in a time that just any day the trumpet could sound and the Lord could call His people home. But i got to stress to you today, are you ready? If your life is filled with a constant diet of mainstream media and you are believing the lies that they're telling you, you're in trouble. Hear me right now. I'm going to tell you that we need to get our face out of Facebook and get our face in the book. And we need to understand that the Lord is getting ready to come and if you're going to go, you got to get ready. And if you got anybody else that you want to go, you better be doing everything you can right now to get them ready. You better pray for them like you've never prayed for them. You better intercede for them like you've never interceded for them. Hear me today. Jesus is coming. Ezekiel thirty eight, thirty nine. I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but I want to, I want to get this to you again. I'm just going to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm certainly not a, uh, a prophecy guru by any stretch of the imagination. But I can tell you that, you know, the Lord never, He never afforded us the privilege of being privy to His timeline. In fact, the Bible is very plain that no man shall know the day nor the hour when He shall appear. But we can certainly say that he gave us a little insight into some of the activity that would be taking place before he came. And he did that for a reason. Because he wanted us to be ready when he came. Amen? Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, 
the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back, put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the north quarters and all his bands, and many people with thee. First of all, let me begin by saying to you that God certainly has not chosen to give us all of the details regarding the end times. And second of all, as we read about Gog and Magog, we discover that understanding all there is to understand about that biblical material is very difficult. But I'm going to do my best today to synthesize those biblical teachings as simple as possible. And third, I'm going to use some modern names for those territories involved. When we're talking about Gog and Magog, we're talking about a leader in the land of Russia. Now, 500 years from now, that may be different. I hope I'm not here. Fourth, the main reason that God encourages us to study prophecy is to lay a foundation for holy living. We need to have our lives cleaned up and ready when the trumpet sounds. Fifth, we need to live as if Christ is coming back in the next ten minutes. And plan as if he's not coming for another thousand years. Now, there are folks that wonder if Russia has any part to play in the last days. And I'll tell you today, yes, they do. I'm going to get back to television for just a minute. I'm just going to give you a little logic. Maybe you've already heard it. Maybe I've already said it. It's part of the AIDS thing. I want you to think about this just a minute. Our old elders, and I say that respectfully, the old men of God in the early church, they were adamant, adamant. They preached against television. They had no idea where it would be in the 21st century. No idea. There's no way they could have fathomed where we would have been in the 21st century then. But there was something in the spirit of those elders. They had an understanding, Brother Snow, 
that there was something beyond just telling you no, no, no. You can't do that. They understood that there was a spirit behind the whole agenda. Now I'm going to give you a little something. I know it sounds elementary, but I want you to think about this. We've shortened it to TV, but it was originally called a tell a vision. Watch now. And you turn the channel to get to a program. So when you turn the channel, they're channeling the program to program you. And I don't care who you are, how smart you are, how spiritual you are. If you listen to something over and over and over again, you will eventually believe it even if it's not true. And I'm going to tell you that there is an agenda that exists in our world today that is doing everything it can to take attention away from the truth of the Word of God and to distract us. Watch now. It gives us a sense of ease when we hear stories that make us feel all fuzzy and warm on the inside like everything's not as bad as it seems. And so we relax. We don't pray like we used to pray. We don't fast like we used to fast. We don't read like we used to read. If I could say anything to this church because you're, you're my church. You're my people. I went to a dedication for Brother Nathan Cannon's new building in Indianapolis Friday night. Brother Baker, Tommy Baker, preached from, uh, from Wanda, Georgia. He was Brother Cannon's pastor. And he preached, my, 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 my church. Now he's a Georgia boy, so you've got to understand that. My, 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 my church. I want to tell you, this is... My church. It needs to be your church. Come on, somebody. And, and I want to tell you something. I don't want this church to be lulled to sleep by the sounds of this world and not be ready for the coming of the Lord. And if I could say something to you today, one of the greatest things that you could do right now is to put your remote up in the corner somewhere and find another corner and go to the Lord in prayer and begin to seek His face and pray for lost souls and pray for countries that are in turmoil. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the church to have revival. Pray for the backslider to come home. Pray for the prodigal to return. 
Come on, somebody. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog. Now, Magog, Meshach, Tubal were all sons of Japheth. Genesis chapter 10, you can find it there. We won't spend a lot of time there. Who was one of the three sons of Noah. Japheth and his family migrated to the area of modern day Russia. Gog is a person who rules over the land of Magog, which is Russia. Magog means the prince of Rosh. Rosh is the old root word for the land of Russia. So God informs Magog. Just stay with me. He informs Magog in verse 15 where uh, I began. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts. Thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. Amen? And so, as we look into the Word of God, if you'll look up to verse 5 for just a minute. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the north quarters, and all his bands and many people with thee. He said, he makes reference to Persia, which is modern day Iran. Cush describes present day Ethiopia and the black nations of Central Africa. Put and Libya are located in Northern Africa. Gomer is the people who settled in Germany. Beth Togarma is Asia Minor and Turkey. Now, it's very important to note that those nations basically align with Russia in battles against the king of the south and then later on the Antichrist. And I could bounce back and forth from here to Daniel to Revelation and I don't have time to do that. But I want to I, I get something to you today because I want you to understand how relevant it is, how relevant it is to where we are this morning. I don't know if we really grasp how close we are to the coming of the Lord. Sometime before the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, the king of the south, an African-Arab coalition described in Daniel chapter 11, moves to invade Israel. The African-Arab coalition initially has the upper hand, but watch this now. It is ultimately defeated by the king of the north, Russia. Now, we have to understand the mind of a dictator. That when a dictator begins to go on a mission to conquer, 
They're not content to just take one area. Right now, Russia's after Ukraine. But they won't stop there. And I want you to realize something. The Bible said that the devil is like a roaring lion. Roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. I want to tell you that he's on the move right now. And he's trying to take everybody from the church and out of the church that he can take. He's not interested in the drunk and the drug addict. He's not interested in the whoremonger or the child abuser. He already has them. He's on a task and a mission to conquer the church. I wish somebody hear me right now. I'm trying to help you to know we've got to get ready. We've got to be, we've got to take up arms in the spirit and be ready to do battle because hell realizes its days are numbered. Come on, somebody. So after, after a short time, seeing an opportunity to enhance their domination, Gog and Magog, Russia and its leader, proceed with their own invasion on Israel. However, God has no intention of allowing Russia to take over Israel. So watch this. Again, I'm kind of squeezing everything together here, but it just from my study and what I can garner and gather, and I won't get it all right, but you'll have a better understanding. So the Antichrist intercepts Gog and Magog and defeats them. I want you to note that two battles are described here. Now listen to me very close. Separated by at least 2,500 years. What do you mean, Bishop? Okay, I'm going to explain it to you. In Exodus or Ezekiel 38 and 39, what is known as biblical hermeneutics or interpretation, watch, as a double fulfillment. The first battle is the maneuverings of the nations during Ezekiel's time. The events of the first battle foreshadow the second battle Describing the same movements predicted by Ezekiel which will occur in the latter days just before the seven year tribulation begins. We're there folks. Now speaking with hyperbole this morning 
It is a literary tool that exaggerates to make a point. God describes the devastating events of the battle between Magog, Gog, and the Antichrist. 38 and 1. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against you, Gog. I'm going to tell you if God's against you, you're done. You may have your way for a little while. But God will win. That was better than that. Do you hear me, church? It may look like the enemy is advancing. It may look like that hell is having its way. But I rise on this Sunday morning to tell somebody... We win because God wins. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. He said, I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army. And then verse 17, I, I, I'm reading, if you don't know, from a different, different translation. But just hear me. At that time, this is what will happen in that day. When Gog attacks the land of Israel, my hot anger will be aroused. And in my zeal and fiery wrath, I will execute judgment upon him with plague and bloodshed. And then... Verse 22, I'm going to tell you something. You, You don't want God on the wrong side of you. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the peace of the field, every creature, all the people in the face of the earth will tremble at his presence. I will pour out torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops. On that day, I give, I will give God the burial place in the valley of those who travel east toward the sea. It will block the way of travelers because Gog and all his hordes will be buried there. So it will be called the valley of Haman, Gog. So, Basically, what Ezekiel is describing is a nuclear holocaust. Let me say that again. A nuclear holocaust. While I was in the prayer room, it came across the wire on my phone that Russia has activated their anti-nuclear devices. Just let that settle just a minute. I don't know that we really understand how quickly this can happen. I want to just show you a little something. 
I can drive five hours today to a country that just a little while ago was free. And just a few days ago, the government said, unless you do what we tell you to do, we're going to freeze your bank accounts. You can't get your money out. You can't put money in. And it was by an emergency declaration. Oh, no, this is the United States. You better wake up. I said you better wake up. All it takes is one news conference. And all it takes is that man that's occupying the White House to carry that little briefcase over to the Department of Defense and have discussion about what do we do now and it's one button oh my goodness are you ready I said are you ready I don't think we've got five years I don't think we've got ten years I don't know if we've got two years I don't know if we've got three years. But what I know is it's all coming to a head. And God is getting ready. i got to get through this. Fire and brimstone fall from the sky. The earth shakes. The faces of invading soldiers melt like hot wax. It takes Israel seven years to decontaminate the land. You want to know what that seven years is for? That's what it is. The burial of radiation contaminated men and women injures even more. Thousands of soldiers lie unburied. And watch what happens. You can find it in a couple places in the Word of God, so it's not, it's not some story that I'm making up this morning. God sends birds of the air to pluck the flesh right off their bodies it sounds just like the grisly feast of God in Revelation 19 and the battle of Armageddon again this passage is double fulfillment from Ezekiel's day until the coming of the Romans in 70 AD Israel was decimated by nation after nation Fulfilling Ezekiel's prophecy regarding the future decimation of Israel. Then we recognize that those same passages parallel the book of Revelation and the horrors of Armageddon. We understand now that those scriptures are no longer hyperbole. 
It is the second fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. We find that those words describe the horrible events of the last days. While Russia is destroyed by the Antichrist just before the seven-year tribulation begins, Gog and Magog will rearm and take part in the war of Armageddon. As a result of the war between the king of the north and the Antichrist, Israel is open to signing a seven-year peace treaty with the Antichrist to protect them from other invasions. After three and a half years, the Antichrist breaks the peace treaty by invading Israel and all the horrors of the book of Revelation break forth over the earth. During the last days, God brings the armies of the Antichrist, Russia, the Middle East, the Arab-African coalition, and China together in the valley of Megiddo for the battle of Armageddon. And as Jesus returns, Psalms chapter 2 said he laughs at his enemies. At the second coming, Jesus enters the fray and destroys the forces of the Antichrist. And the king of the east and the king of the north. Let, let, let me read it to you. I don't want you to take my word for it. I, I, I want us to realize it's time for us to get ready. Zechariah chapter 14 verse 12. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes. And their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor. And his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. This is the plague, he said, that will strike all nations that have fought against Jerusalem. Now, for hundreds of years, and again, I'm not a student of Bible prophecy. But for hundreds of years, students of Bible prophecy have wondered what kind of plague could produce such instant ravaging of humans. Until the advent of the atomic bomb, such a thing was not humanly possible. But now, everything that Zechariah predicted can come true in one thermonuclear exchange. 
Say, wow, preacher, I've showed up on Sunday and you, all you're trying to do is scare me. I hope I could say something right now, but it wouldn't be very nice. I hope I scare the out of you. I hope I scare the desire of yours to be lost into a desire of yours to be saved. I hope I scare you into a place of not being prepared to a place of saying I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get ready because I don't want to be lost. Come on, somebody help me praise him right now. By the way, at the second coming, at the second, everybody say second coming. At the second coming, the non-believing Jews will see the nail prints in Jesus' hands, his feet, and his side, and will realize that they crucified their Messiah. And it will break their hearts and many Jews will turn to Christ. Zechariah 12 and 10. I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. It is during that time that God invites anyone willing to come to Jesus. To bow down at his feet. To repent of their sins. To be baptized in his name. Come on, it still takes that to be saved. To be filled with his spirit. Revelation chapter 19. I'm almost done. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Verse 18. That ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. As I read that today, my mind goes back to an intimidating voice that stood in front of Israel and said, Give me a man give me a man day after day intimidating God's people 
And a little shepherd boy steps out of the crowd and says, Is there not a cause? And he says, I'll take the challenge. And that giant said, I'll feed you to the birds. But watch now, David cuts off the head of Goliath and the birds eat his flesh. I'm telling you that the enemy may intimidate, may try to make us afraid and fearful. But I see the hand of God and the writing on the wall. There's going to be a great feast of God. And the enemy is going to become the prey. Come on, somebody ought to rejoice in that. I'm telling you, God wins. We win. The wedding supper. The wedding supper of the Lamb is described in Revelation 19 and 9. Oh, I want to be there. Listen to it. Then the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's the marriage feast when Jesus as the bridegroom takes his church for his bride. It's a tremendous time of fellowship. But I want to tell you what it is. It's a word picture. We all have a choice. We can enjoy the supper with Jesus or we can be the supper. I've got my invitation, Brother Mark Looper. And it's signed in the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I don't intend on giving it up for anything in this world. You hear me right now? There's nothing in this world that's worth giving up your invitation today to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 20 through 22. Wrap up the story. With the destruction of Satan and his followers. Then a thousand year reign. The thousand year reign of Christ on the earth. And the new heaven and the new earth. And by the way. People often ask. Does the United States fit into prophecy? The United States is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. Sorry to disappoint you. However, there is reference in Revelation to an eagle. 
which protects Israel during the last times. Of course, the eagle is the symbol of the United States. Revelation 12. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle. So that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. Where she would be taken care of for a time, times and half a time. Out of the serpent's reach. Of course... United States has been a friend and a supporter of Israel. By God's grace, we'll stand by their side. If we ever turn against Israel, we're going to suffer the same fate as the Antichrist and his forces. I close today. I close today with this. I found myself in the last couple of days doing some searching, soul searching. I found myself looking in the mirror of God's Word to be sure that my life is in alignment with that word. I don't want to do anything that would cancel my invitation. I don't want to say anything. I don't want there to be anything in my heart for anyone that would cancel my invitation. Because I don't want to be supper. I want to be at the supper. Stand with me. I'm closing with this question. Are you ready? Oh, well, Bishop, we, we got plenty of time. Do you? Do you? I'm going to tell you, this has, been, this has been one of probably one of the toughest two weeks in my life. Humanly. I buried a 54-year-old, a 46-year-old niece I lost, and a 59-year-old preacher in two weeks. I'm going to tell you that as far as this life and this world is concerned, I don't have anything holding me here. But I want you to know, and I want you to hear me right now, the Bible said to make your calling and election sure. And so on this Sunday morning, I know this has been different. But on this Sunday morning, I want to say to you again, are you ready? And this is what I want us to do. Whatever God's laid on Sister St. Clair's heart, I want her to play it and sing it. And I want you to take time today. I know it's 12 o'clock, but I want you to take time, a few moments today, to make your way to this altar and to make your calling and election sure.
Are you ready? It's coming. It's coming. All the pieces are being laid. It won't be long until we'll hear the cry from heaven. Come up a little higher. Are you ready? Come on. Are you ready? Make your calling and election sure.